When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's hot in the strip clubs? Your hosts, the 2016 and 2017 recipients of the Exotic Dancer Publications DJ of the Year Award, Danny Myers and Alon Fong. Hey, welcome to Behind the Curtain. This is a What's Hot in the Strip Clubs podcast on Pantheon Podcast Network. My name is Danny Myers. Behind the Curtain is a series that Alon Fong and I do where we get to meet some very, very interesting people in our adult club community, and we get to find out a little bit more about them. This is a show that Alon and I do separately, um, so make sure you check out his interviews as well. Today, I'm going to head down to Palm Harbor, Florida. I've got Richard Bantock with us. How you doing, Richard? I'm great. How are you guys? I- I'm good. First of all, where is Palm Harbor? Palm Harbor is a little town nestled in between Clearwater and Tarpon Springs in the Pinellas County area, part of the Tampa Bay area of Florida on the West Coast. I got you. And you do a lot for the industry. You have several different things. I think the main thing that people would know you for would be um, the fact of Silks, uh, which is a, a strip club down there in Palm Harbor. Um, you are the owner. The, you, you do a little bit of everything. What all do you do there? What's all, what all are your titles? Well, my, my main title is the owner, president, and the general manager of the club. I pretty much run the operation. Wow. How big of a club is it? I wouldn't say we're huge. I'd say about 3,800, 3,900 square feet. Um, yeah, that's about right. About 3,800, 3,900 square feet. Yeah, about what's what capacity uh, occupancy? I want to say about 120 off the top of my head. There you go. Sounds good. And you guys have been getting some crazy weather down there too, by the way. Has that weather been affecting your business? Yes, and it, it negatively has impacted our business with the extreme heat. And then, of course, we just came off of uh, Hurricane Idelia, I believe her name is. Yeah, something, yeah. And, uh, of course, that has some negative impacts with some local flooding in certain areas and lots and lots of rain, which tends to keep people out. And it has been unbearably hot and humid. Today is probably one of the better days. It's been a little cooler, not as very much humidity in the air. Okay, and tell me how you got started in this. I mean, was this one of these deals where at 10 years old, you sat there and said, man, when I grow up, I want to buy a strip club? So I wouldn't say about 10 years old, but (laughs) as life progressed, you know, we always had this uh, dream or idolization of being involved in the club business. But how it started for me was I was involved in what we call a video store in Tampa. And uh, me and my partner were doing well. And, of course, we figured, hey, let's try some success in other areas. And um, so we zeroed in on this club here, and we made the run for it. Now, there was a couple of the clubs that were candidates, but as time went on, we kind of moved those out and we circled around the club we are in on Silks. And then uh, my partner's no longer my partner, so it's just me now. Okay, and how long have you had Silks? I've had it myself for 23 years. This is my 23rd year starting. Wow, that's a, that's amazing. Um, so I guess one of the other things you, you're not only an, an owner and general manager and operator of a strip club, but you, you're also in some other things. you got an ATM business. Yeah, we have ATM machines, um, located throughout the Tampa area. And we're our next thing is we want to kind of expand into the adult club business. We think that we have a good model and a good handle. 
um, out there. And we'd like to get try that with one or two clubs and see how we do. So we're just looking for opportunities when those arise. We haven't really marketed ourselves yet to it, but that's coming. And then um, we also broker adult clubs, and we also broker liquor licenses throughout Florida. Okay, I'm going to get on that in just a second, but I want to get back to the ATM because I've always been curious, and you're going to be the guy who can answer some questions for me. I know one of the big things with strip clubs um, is we obviously don't have bank ATMs, like Fifth Third or, you know, these big banks are not going to put an ATM in a strip club, uh, mostly for legality reasons. Um, So how, why is that? I don't know if it's legality reasons because there's no law that says they can't. I think more of it is for shareholders. I think that they don't want to upset their current shareholders they have in, in, that run the corporation. I mean, unfortunately, publicly traded companies, they have images that to protect. So the third party or the off-market guys like me, that creates the opportunity for us to put machines in clubs and or the club itself can buy their own and stock it themselves. Mm-hmm. But that does become a problem, especially – um, under the Operation Chokehold that was instituted years ago under the Obama administration, where everybody really had a hard time with the money situation, cash deposits. A lot of banks don't like that, but that was born out of the Operation Chokehold from the Obama administration. It has eased up a lot, but not quite. I, I know of a couple of clubs that have been asked to leave some banks because of the ATM and the nature of their operation. Uh, so you have to have a really good relationship with your bank and keep that relationship. But don't do anything squirrely with the money. I always tell guys, you know, just don't do anything that's squirrely. I mean, if your limit is this, don't be transferring funds and moving things around because they're gonna you're gonna spook the bank because they do monitor stuff and they're gonna send you a nice little letter that says, "Please leave our establishment." We've had that happen to us at one bank. Fortunately, we had a backup bank all along waiting, mm. so it was a smooth transition to that. I guess one of the things that um, that I've learned is when you don't have a big bank running your ATM, uh, you know, if, if you got a big bank running your ATM and somebody comes in and it's a stolen card or something like that, the bank's going to go after them. Now, in your industry, in our industry, um, we, we are the ones liable. And that's why I think uh, a lot of people complain about the ATM fees and strip clubs, but that's kind of got to cover that stuff. Am I right? Well, there's a lot of risk involved. Um, let's let me let me establish one thing. The, the, okay. the guy who does your credit card processing typically does not do your ATM processing. So those should be two different networks of two different people. But there's a lot of risk in the clubs. You know, from either you know nefarious activities. Uh, people like to try and bring in money and move money out. You know, those those connotations are out there. Obviously, there's never been anything successful out of a strip club that anybody knows of. You know, nothing reported, just like human trafficking. I don't think there's even been one case of human trafficking in a strip club yet reported. Um, but we have a bad reputation no matter what, just because of who we are. So in terms of your ATMs, you do have some risk of people trying to break in, steal it because of the amount of cash in there. Um, fraudulent cards are high. And we try to do our best to move that along and, and filter that out. Mm-hmm. And then you were talking about uh, you also broker clubs. And I think that's where I first met you was at an expo. Um, I think it was the one in New Orleans, if I'm not mistaken. Your booth was right across from my booth, and that's when I first met yeah, you. Uh, I met you uh, through our good late friend, Christian. Yes, Christian. Oh, man. Yeah. I hope, hopefully that's not a sore point, but I loved him. And uh, he was a great guy, great entertainer for his DJ. He was just more than a DJ at a club. He was like part of the family. Mm-hmm. He wasn't going anywhere. We weren't going to let him go anywhere. He, 
Super guy. Now he passed. Uh, it was uh, in the middle of a knee operation or something. Am I? Am I? He was having a surgery done on his knee, and it was just he he didn't recover from that. Is that correct? He had a surgical procedure, and the surgery was very very intense. And then uh, I guess there were some complications afterwards, and uh, unfortunately he passed away. It was just too much stress on his body. Man, that that's a that's an absolute shame, man. Okay. Um, one of the good ones. Yeah, he was. You had talked a little bit earlier about, um, you know, uh, I guess uh, people's perception of strip clubs and stuff. So I kind of want to have a little fun conversation here. Misconceptions of a strip club owner. I think, you know, what What do you think the outside world, when they, when they find out they've never been to a strip club, you know, they go to church every Sunday, blah, 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 and they say, oh, you're Richard. Oh, you you do what for a living? You you own a strip club. What what do you think is the uh, the biggest misconceptions about strip club owners? Well, they probably think that we're like immoral, low, dirty, um, and then a lot of times there's always the jokes that go on, and and then of course the next thing is always uh, beyond the jokes is always the thought process of what we do and how we affect the community negatively. And um, I wish people would get away from that because I don't think that we do anything negative to the community. You know, we put a sign up. People have the right to walk in, have the right to leave. Uh, but, you know, they don't realize some of the good things we do. With food. Like we donate food to the food pantries after events if anything's left over. You know, uh, not Idalia, but the last hurricane, the last major storm we had, to other clubs, we had donated beer to other clubs because we weren't negatively impacted, but others were. So, or the supply chain was. We donated beer and liquor to get them started. I keep extra music equipment for the other clubs in the area. Like in other words, if a mixer goes down or an amp, they're more than welcome to come by, pick it up, borrow it, bring it back at their win. We provide extra money uh, to either other local places. We've had one of our golf course resorts behind us and said, Hey, can we get a couple of thousand dollars in fives and ones for big events. Sure. We're here to help as much as we can. I think that we are part of any part of the community, any given time. I've donated washers and dryers. I've bought cars for people. So I think that we do provide a benefit in a sense. It may not be a direct benefit, but it's definitely an ancillary benefit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I get that uh, just from being a DJ. I think, you know, I've I've been a strip club DJ for 28 years uh, total. And, and I think that's one of the things when you tell people outside the industry, what do you do for a living? And I say, I'm a strip club DJ. The first thing they think, I think that the stereotypical image of a strip club dj is some guy who looks like ron jeremy with black hair you know wearing his shirt wide open gold chains hanging down smelling like brute and you know and running around grabbing every girl in the ass um yeah i uh i don't really know any of them that are like that but that is one of the misconceptions of of of, of our industry yeah, that is true and uh, that's unfortunate that's an unfortunate misconception but, you know, what it's, it's funny is I always find it hilarious that outside this business, in other industries, it could be from lawyers to doctors, you know, we hear rumors about masquerade parties and all kinds of stuff. Nobody ever says anything about that to them. Mm -hmm. You know, nobody ever questions what they do in their personal world. You know, the difference is this is our profession, not our personal world. For doctors or lawyers, this is on their personal world, not necessarily their profession. And I think that's where things get a little confusing for some people. But, you know. You don't hear about sex crimes and things like that here. You hear about that in the outside world. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you what, I'm, uh, um, I'm going to still talk to you about uh, the expo 
uh, your experiences at Expo this year. And I want to talk about music, your personal tastes, what you like for the club, things like that. And we're going to talk about the future of the strip club industry. And that is all coming up next. This is DJ Mike D with my chum, Danny Myers, right here on the What's Hot in the Strip Club podcast on the Pantheon Podcast Network. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner. And Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey, welcome back to Behind the Curtain. This is a What's Hot in the Strip Clubs podcast on Pantheon Podcast Network. I'm Danny Myers. I'm here with Richard Bantock, um, who is the owner, general manager of Silks uh, in Palm Harbor, Florida. He also uh, has an ATM company and he brokers clubs. And we were talking earlier about Expo. I want to talk this year. We just got back from the uh, Gentleman's Club Expo. As of the time of this recording, it was about three weeks ago that we just got back. Um, it was in Las Vegas. You go every year, I think. I've been there every year for the last 12 or so. What were your thoughts on this year's um, Expo? Well, my first thoughts were I thought the location of Paris was very good. Mm -hmm. um, made it real centrally located. So in some Expos with that uh, past, we've had some splitting of the rooms and things like that. But that was great. Um, I didn't walk away with anything real negative other than the fact that, you know, I would like to see more vendors. And I know that's a tough chore. That's not easy for the Expo team. I know that they are trying their hardest. And um, I would like to see – the second thing I'd like to see from Expo is, you know, the, the title sponsors like Deja Vu and uh, MLA Entertainment from Slim Bachman all those guys. Those guys are really celebrities of the show. People really like those guys. They try to get closer to them. I just wish that they were more accessible to talk to those guys. And I know they've got their business going on, but, you know, the small guy is only going to learn from the bigger guy. One mm -hmm. of the things I would like to see in the panel side of it is I'd like to see from the business side is, you know, how do we raise money to expand our clubs? How do we go about doing it? I don't want their, their trade secrets like who they use, but how do we go about doing that? Because those guys always seem to find a way to raise money to expand and go public and do all these great things. And, you know, they hear these, these wonderful stories, how they start off with one club or one small entity and they built it to an empire. I would love to learn from those guys. Those guys are 
plethora of information, an encyclopedia of information I would just love to get my hands on. And to have some great conversation with the the guys who have been in this business for 20 plus years, you know more than anybody else about it, how it works. I mean, like a mentorship program would be awesome. Yeah, that, that sounds cool. Um, so where do you see, this was a big question that kept coming up down at Expo, and I know it was a couple of the uh, couple of the club owners were asked this one when they were down there. Where do you see the, the industry, the strip club industry, 10 years from now? Um, where do you see it? Well, in my opinion, 10 years from now is a tough question, but you know, if you're not doing something of the club hybrid model that Club 11 started, you may be on the outskirts. You know, the typical let's put a girl on stage and take a girl down seems to be slowing down. You know, one of the problems I think in the in the industry is we're no longer that taboo thing where we're like it was kind of cool and secretive. You know, now it's pretty much wide open. People go to they talk about it openly more. So maybe the tabooness of the club industry is kind of worn off or the novelty of it's worn off. So it may not have that same kind of thing. And I, I know that we peaked somewhere in around the 2000s. All the clubs really peaked in the 2000 era a lot more. It's a little bit of decline. And if you're not in the right real estate market, you know, you have to have a good location. Being in the club business, you're kind of in the real estate business. If you don't have a good location, it makes it tougher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. But uh, so if you're not doing that certain model and changing your music, making more mainstream, I think you're going to find yourself in a tough spot. That sounds good. And what about for you personally? Uh, what What are your goals? Do you think you would ever like you? We talked about how some of the um, some of the single owners became chain owners and stuff that we were talking about down at Expo. Do you see yourself expanding and buying more clubs? I do. Um, under the right circumstances, I mean, right now, currently, uh, little thing, things are a little overpriced, in my opinion. So we're hoping that either they stabilize. I don't want to say they're going to decline because, you know, nothing really goes down. But as long as they stabilize and we have a little bit more clarity onto the path of where the future is, then it would be time to make an acquisition. And to- but right now, you know, things are a little little up in the air. And like I said, you know, for us as a club, we're going to kind of move slowly to that uh, hybrid model slowly and integrate that. As soon as the market's really ready for it, then we'll go full blast. But we're, we're, we're giving touches of it out here and there. Nice. So we're getting and uh, to pick on to ask the uh, the broker side of you, is this more a seller's market right now or a buyer's market? Definitely a seller's market. If you want to sell, you definitely can. And, and let me add one more thing going back to uh, the strip club industry where I think it's kind of where it was maybe shrinking too. You know, with the higher price real estate, a lot of guys are selling out because the real estate values are right for them. And maybe they have nobody else to pass the business down or uh, family members or something, so maybe they're cashing out because it's the right time on the market for them. Um, so I wanted to add that. I forgot to mention that to you, but okay, sounds good. I want to talk music now. Um, so you you have uh, DJs down there at your club. I know Kelly Crane is uh, is one of your DJs. She um, I've got to meet her a few times and talk to her a few times. She's she's an amazing person. She really is. She's awesome. She really is awesome. Um, great history. I mean, have you ever talked to her? How she started off in Detroit? And uh, worked her way through the cocktail lounge. I think she started off as a bartender or waitress, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, the story I got was the DJ had called out sick or got fired from a club she was at. And she said, you know, I really think I can do this. And uh, the, the boss gave her a shot and she's been ever since, you know. And, I, and I'm sure she keeps practicing her craft, as I call it all the time. She's always improving on it. So downloading lots of music. Uh, I want to say she mentioned this thing called QR points. I'm not quite sure what they mean, but she mentions those uh, a lot, which is how the songs lead off and how she 
gets it ready, you know, for certain introductions, things like that. The so points, yeah. She's always improving her craft, and you know, she she's doing things that I can't even explain. I, I get that. I get that. Um, so let me ask you uh, the music and in Palm Harbor. Um, I, I know you're you're close to Tampa. A lot of clubs play different music down there. What's your take on music? What's your music format? And what do you like to hear from your DJs? I like to keep it more commercial top 40. But like I said earlier, we are going to gravitate to a little bit more on the house music side and push push a little bit of that genre. Um just slightly. We're going to gravitate, but we like to keep it very commercial, very mainstream, so we're not offensive to any one buddy, or we're not going overboard to any one group. Mm-hmm. That's how we try to keep it. A little bit more in the middle of the road, but like I said, we're going to push those boundaries towards a little bit of the house music and things of that nature to do that hybrid thing. That's what, coming. Yeah. What's what's your um, average age group? Are you like the, the typical that you open earlier in the day, you've got an older crowd, and they start to leave, and toward the end, the younger crowd starts coming in? Is that is that pretty much for you as well? Well, you know, being the fact I'm 53, I don't know if I want to use the word older crowd because that really makes me sound old. But I would say that, uh, yeah, we get a little bit more mature group. We're going to go with that word. We get a more mature group at the uh, during the day. At nighttime, I don't want to say we get a younger crowd, but I say we get a much more livelier crowd. Uh, we have some very mature patrons that are very uh, lively. We have a, a couple of good regulars that are just here all the time, and they have a great time all the time. They're almost like part of the family, but they're not boring. They're very lively. They jump around, they dance, they have a good time with everybody. So the party kind of never stops with them. Okay. So if you're sitting there and you're saying, you know, I just want to hear a song for me or uh, an artist for me, put the room aside. What would be a Richard song? So my favorite song is uh, uh, Old Thing Back by Matoma. That's one of my favorites. Uh, but that's it. But I always tell the staff, if it doesn't fit for the moment, don't play it. And if so, they're going to play it earlier when it's, not so busy. So that way I don't, you know, upset any of the format or any music for any of the girls we have. You know, we let the girls pick their music. We try to keep it within a certain range of things so it doesn't get too crazy. Mm -hmm. And now Florida, um, now you're in a northern part of Florida. I know you get into South Florida. They don't really seem to worry much about the lyrics in songs. What about your take on that? Do you uh, clean versions, dirty versions, uh, you know, racially insultive versions? What uh, What's your take on that? Well, I definitely don't like the racially insultive. There again, I'll be honest. I'm not listening to the music all the time because, you know, on the administration side or the business side of it. But the uh, the, the DJs, the MCs, they kind of know the format we want. So we trust them to make that right call. Um but I would definitely say that we try to keep it more mainstream top 40. But to give you an idea, we're on the West Coast of Florida, West Central Florida. Okay. South Florida is a different different animal, different market altogether. Very young, very party-like, very uh, party atmosphere. Like, let's say New Orleans on steroids. Mm. Those guys go crazy. <laughs> down there. And you've been to New Orleans. They party pretty good. But, man, they take it the whole other level of Miami. But yeah. they're very progressive. You know, they have uh, – uh, they're big into the model scene, fashion scene. So they get a very diverse mix from Latin America and even in Europe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was, I know that's my biggest, my favorite thing about going to Miami and any place in South Florida is the Latin community. Cause I'm telling you right now, Latin people know how to party. You, I just want to sit back and be a people watcher, you know, run down to South beach and sit at Clevelander and just kind of, I just love watching Latin people party. Cause it's like, there's not a care in the world. They're just, they, they have fun. At least that's my take. They're on very it. open, very party. I'm half Spanish myself, Oh, but, uh, 
that market down there, they take it to a whole other level, but they're very fashion-oriented, very music-oriented. And like I said, you have people coming from Europe bringing their taste, their flavor. Uh, Colombia's a big market coming up. Uh, Brazil's a big market that hits Miami quite a bit. Um, Panama. And then, of course, the Caribbean nation, you know, especially with the uh, uh, the Cubans, which is definitely Florida's heritage right there, right there with the cigar making. Mm-hmm. So it's very diverse down here. Florida's not really a southern state. They always say down here, if you want to go to the south, you got to go more north. <laughs> I have never heard that. That's that. That's, so that's only Florida, only people from Florida know that, and that is a joke here. That's why you know, as soon as you go past Jacksonville, it becomes a whole different world. Jacksonville North is more Southern Bible Belt. Anything down from Jacksonville is very progressive with Orlando, Tampa, Miami. Uh, you see a lot of Spanish names on streets. You know, they talk about the cigar factory, things like that. You do not get the typical Southern redneck type of thing going on whatsoever. It, after that, it's very progressive. It's almost like a, a mini New York or an L.A. going on. Scene. Wow, that is cool. I, uh, I've never been to your city. I need to. I got to make put that on my bucket list of cities to go party at and your club. And uh, and then, of course, I want to see Kelly spin because, you know, like I say, I've never heard her spin. But uh, but I know she's got to be good just because, I mean, I can just tell. Well, I'd like to invite you ever to do a podcast, and I think she'd be great for it. And, you know, maybe her staff of other DJs she's trained. She's doing a really good job working with some up-and-coming DJs that we're developing. Very good. Yeah, we so can she's do also She's created her own mentorship program, and she's doing a really good job with that. That's that sounds really good. That sounds actually more along the lines of my podcast partner Alon Fong. He loves to interview DJs, uh, so we made uh, might, maybe we we'll get all three of us on someday. We'll see. I would love that. There you go. Well, Richard Bantock, Palm Harbor, Florida, owner of Silks and uh, ATM companies and, and brokering. If anybody you want to buy a club, you want to sell a club, get a hold of Richard right there. Richard, thanks so much for taking time and coming on the show. You got it. I really appreciate it, Danny. Thank you. And we'll talk later. Hey, little reminder that all of the What's Hot in the Strip Clubs podcast, including the Panda Top 20 bubbling under off-the-charts classic remixes, Flashback Friday's Strip Club Music Hall of Fame behind the curtain, and Rockin' Pod recap can be found at whatshotitsc.com. Thanks for listening to What's Hot in the Strip Clubs with Danny Myers and Alon Fong. Presented by Panda and Strip Joints Music. You can find us on all major podcast platforms. Thanks for listening. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com 
code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 